You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Savage Arms. Now, Savage has come out with a new model, and that model is the 110 Ultralight. At under 6 pounds, the 110 Ultralight is designed to combat elevation and the elements while maintaining the performance of a factory blueprinted Savage 110 action. This comes in a variety of calibers. It has a gray AccuFinish stock with adjustable comb height. This is an awesome rifle, and uh, basically Savage is at it again. These guys have done amazing things in the past, and now they're doing amazing things in the future. If you want to find out more information about the 110 Ultralight, visit SavageArms.com. Welcome to the Land and Legacy Podcast. We're your hosts, Adam Keith. And Matt Dye. This is your number one resource for all things land. If you're interested in conservation, habitat management, hunting strategy, and rural real estate, this is the podcast for you. Hey guys, welcome back to Land and Legacy Podcast. We're outside again. Go figure. Yeah, we're your hosts, Adam and Matt. And, uh, yeah, we're outside enjoying a nice summer, a cooler summer. It's They say the dog days, but it doesn't really feel it like it right now. It does not feel like it. It feels beautiful. It feels like almost a little bit of fall coming in. And, honestly, to to get right into the podcast, we've got topics of fall. That's right. Right here today on this podcast. Some of our favorite gear we've worn and been testing yep. and, and give a great big thumbs up for um so you guys can listen hear why some of the backstory of why we chose first light and why we continue to promote first light so we've got mr kevin harlander coming on i'm excited for it we're oh, going to jump totally. into it it's it's, uh, it's long overdue too we we've we've been kind of needing to do this podcast and i think it's, it's going to hit at a great time get people thinking about fall and how they can best prepare themselves for whether they're adventures and and i I think that the people are going to find that this kind of stuff is so much more applicable eastern whitetail tree stand type hunting than originally thought. Absolutely. That's the information we want to provide on the podcast. Absolutely. And it's kind of one of those things you'll hear a little bit of the backstory where there was a year of testing for us before yeah. we ever even agreed to work with First Light. Um, and that simply put, we don't work with things that we don't believe in and we don't use things 
there's a lot of items that we use um, that we will never get to partner or work or be dealers for these companies, but it's because we choose that product as being the best uh, for quality and the price. But First Light is definitely one of those opportunities that we love um, and we're proud to work with them. Certainly. Absolutely. So before we jump in, though, we just want to say, guys, uh, give you a shout out for one of the partners that make this podcast possible, Stratton Seed Company out of Stuttgart, Arkansas. It is right in the middle of food plot season. There's a lot of seed that's already gone in the ground in northern states and certainly starting here in the Midwest. It's time to order. You can order through um, Stratton or check out our website, shoplandandlegacy.com, to order the Legacy Blend, Bounty Hunter, Revival, Emerge, Emerge Cattleman's Treasure, um, all those blends, and uh, be well on your way, hopefully, weather-depending to successful <laughs> food plots yes. um, later on this fall. So check them out at, at well, shoplandandlegacy.com or, or go stratonseed.com. All right, we're going to jump right into this podcast. As you guys heard, we're gonna, we're very excited for this one. We're going to cover some of the big things happening this fall, a lot of the gear we're using, and let's just go ahead and bring him on. Let's do it. Mr. Kevin Harlander, are you there? How are you doing, guys? Good to talk with you. Yeah, yeah for doing sure. good. We're doing good. This is yeah. a long long time coming, man. Yeah, we've been working together a little while here. It's been it's been a good journey, and I'm glad to be here. So thanks for having me. Well, Absolutely. we thank you for allowing us to be part of the the mission with you guys at First Light. Well, we love to have you, man. I, I think uh, both of our ethos, you know, are are uh, aligned really well, and and we've been really impressed with what you guys have been accomplishing, both on the content side and uh, and on the land management side. And it's just uh, it's a good fit. So we're glad to have you. Definitely. And as we were talking, like pre-recording. There's so many similarities and, and differences, though, just from a conservation mindset that I think is going to really open the eyes of some of our listeners that are dealing with, like, you know, individual bucks and on this small landscape as, as to really what some conservation realm is that you guys are dealing with out west. I think that contrast is going to be really cool for them to learn about, as well as, obviously, First Light Gear. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So, Kevin... What is your position at First Light? So, um, officially, I'm, I'm the community manager. So, I work as part of our marketing team um, here on, on that side of the business, which has grown substantially, substantially in the last uh, year or so. Um, so, yeah, I run all our community management. And, and what that means is, is I run everything from our pro team um, with our, with our uh, professional hunters and, and, uh, and folks like that. Um, I also run a lot of our industry partnerships, so um, we, we do a lot of collaborative efforts across the board, and um, you know, with guys like from Onyx or or, uh, or Federal Ammunition or Weatherby Rifles, whoever it is, I work with all those guys, um, sort of like align our missions and align our planning. Um, I also do a lot of uh, work on sort of the outbound communication, you know, with regard to public mm-hmm. relations um, and and our guide and outfitter program as well. So. Um, and then, you know, lastly, the, the research and development side, I think, is, is one of my more favorite parts of the job, too, is, is basically getting the, the prototype gear into the hands of some of the uh, baddest mother truckers out there that get to go <laughs> feed it around for a year and, and get, us, get us some feedback, you know? That's awesome. And then, of course, uh, the last part, you know, is, is uh, 
all the field production and all our, our hunts and our uh, collaborative efforts from the content side. We, we travel a lot and we get to see a lot of cool parts of the world and, and spend a lot of days in the field. And, and that's, uh, I'm pretty grateful for that because it's, uh, I'm, I'm not really good at sitting at a desk and nowadays it's easy to sling emails from your cell phone and, and, uh, I'm uh, I'm happy to be outside more than inside. That's for sure. <laughs> well, yeah. we are like-minded yes. on that. That's for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, where are you guys? Just so for our listeners, where are you guys based out of? So we're based out of Ketchum, Idaho, which is um, basically right over the mountains from Boise, Central Idaho, and mm. um, we're in this really cool ecosystem where um, you know we're in the, we're in the inner Rocky Mountain West, and um, we're surrounded by three or four different mountain ranges in this big valley and. Uh, kind of changes from lowlands desert all the way to high mountain lakes and streams, and then uh, and and it's just a, a beautiful place to live and a beautiful place to test gear too. You know, we're mm-hmm. right, right in the heart of uh, some of the some of, some of the most rugged country uh, in the world for sure. Mm. Sounds like, like the perfect proving grounds to be able to go out and, and test that stuff. And you've got adventures really probably in every single direction from from yeah. Well, if that's do, the case. How in the world do you ever get any work done? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is a good question. I, uh, I get a lot of flack from some of our guys, especially on the operations side and, and all over that are uh, sometimes stuck looking at spreadsheets more than uh, <laughs> time in the field. But um, we, uh, we do a lot of, a lot of like creative work, man. So like we, we you know, this whole, this whole COVID pandemic thing has really kind of put a, put a little bit of a, a little fire under our butts a little bit to like really kind of, establish who we are again and, and understand like you know how do we work well together and what do we need to do mm-hmm. and um so yeah we're you know we're we're not always working but uh we're always thinking about something on our end for work you know and i, I think that's the, the difference is when you work in such a passionate field um from the time i wake up from the time i go to bed till the time i go to bed i'm always thinking about like improvements in my programming or or uh why that zipper should be on the a little bit one inch to the right on a pair of pants or whatever it is. And, um, I just, I just get kind of consumed by it, you know? Uh, and I think that's why it's, uh, it's good to be good to make your work, your passion a little bit. Oh, absolutely. And it shines through too, with a really good product when you can do that and combine both of those things. And I think that that's why it's taken off so much and, and very well respected. Yeah. I, I laugh when you say your mind, you know, when you wake up and you go to bed, uh, there's been a couple nights here oh, in the last month or so where my wife has looked at me on the couch and it's 1030 at night and I've got a pen and paper in my computer and she's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I kind of smile and I'm like, I'm, you I'm taking a list of some native fl- flowers or whatever that I'm trying to add on the farm or whatever. And she's like, yeah, gosh, you're exactly. such a nerd. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we get consumed with our work as well. Um, man, so, you know. Matt and I, I, I think, you know, it's been almost a year probably or a little over a year since we first uh, interacted through email and, and started mm-hmm. conversing. And, and you know, our, our story of how we came about First Light is, is a little bit different than probably a lot of people. But um, being in the Midwest, um, you guys are out west. It's kind of there's this, I guess, image that, you know, if you're going elk hunting, that's or you're going in the mountains, you need really high quality gear. But in the Midwest, people have just, I guess, always gotten by with ah, whatever. This will work. It doesn't get that cold. But right. then when you sit, when if you're like Matt and I, and you're sitting in a tree stand, and and oddly enough, I guess self-diagnosed, we both deal with the 
Raynaud's disease, which basically lack of blood flow to our extremities. And so we get really, right. really cold. And um, in doing that, I finally, I, I don't even remember what fall it was, 2017, 2018, said, I'm sick of it. I don't care. I'm going to start finding the best gear I can. There there was a realization one morning in the tree, and I remember it. I remember exactly which tree it was. Like, this sucks. <laughs> I love yeah. and I want to be hunting right now. But right now, but at this moment, this is uncomfortable. Right. And you don't. At the like, you don't want to take something that you enjoy and make it uncomfortable. And I think that just hunters in general are all so particular about the gear we use, what we spend our money on, this and that. It's like, I don't want to, I don't want to risk it or try something that's just you know Western wear, if you will, here because it's just not going to work. Well, gosh, cold's cold. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, bar none, wind you, is wind, cold you, is cold, cold is cold. You that's add right. humidity to that, you yeah. need to be prepared for it. Exactly, and so. In that search, um, one of our mutual friends, Clay Newcomb, mm-hmm. introduced us. And so yeah. I guess the rest is history. That's but right. In so the process of that. He is a good guy. Yes, he is. Just was uh, able to spend some time with him a couple weeks ago and record a podcast. And, man, that, that day we just were driving back. Man, you don't find people like Clay Newcomb very often. Nope. Nope, he's a he's a one in a million guy for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad he I'm glad you did connect us because it's been good, and I'm I'm glad you guys uh, have made the switch to the gear too. I think it's uh, I think you're gonna find this will be your well this second be your first fall one second fall second, second fall, fall right. in the gear. Yep. Okay. And Perfect. I remember, you know, we'll get into it a little later, like as we talk more on the items and different things. But I remember this fall just overall. Every time I got done, go. I was comfortable. I never was uncomfortable. I wasn't cold. I wasn't hot. I was comfortable. Right. And so that alone, and then as we kind of continued to uh, talk and watch your guys' brand, watch what you're doing, that's what excites me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so you guys have a, a a very deep devotion to conservation. 100%. And so our, let's talk about pillars. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, you know, First Light was founded on a notion of, of not just a, a company that was a, a for-profit business. Of course, that's important, right? You have to be able to feed your family and, and take mm-hmm. care of your employees and things like that. But it's really founded on this ethos of and, and commitment to conservation. And I think what that means is, um, you know, we, we've realized from a from a early early on stage that the days of being able to simply take from the land are over, right? Um that, that that ended in, in the 18th century, 19th century. Yeah. And from our perspective, you know, as sportsmen and women, uh, we all have this obligation to help protect wildlife and, and wild places. And, um, you know, for a long time, the ethos of, of America was that, you know, oh, my license fee goes to that, right? Well, it's just simply not enough. It's, just, it's the same thing of like, you know, sometimes you got to kick in a couple extra pies for that kid's bake sale because, you know, you want to go on that school trip with your family and your kids and, um it just takes a little extra effort. So I think like, you know, our passion of being outside and hunting and fishing and camping and hiking is really relied upon, um, or, or rather we depend upon the ability to have public land and have, you know, land that is, um, accessible, um, and, and, and there for the next generation. So really what we decided to do from a, from an early on stage and, and Ryan Callahan, uh, now at Mediator, who was here at First Sight for a long time, was largely responsible with 
our founders to he, they basically founded this program called Roundup for Conservation. Mm. Um, and essentially, what that is is it's a it's a way in which for people to commit to getting good gear, but also rounding up their purchase towards you know a select few organizations who we work with very closely. Um, everything from the uh, you know National Wildlife Federation to Teddy Roosevelt Conservation Partnership, Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, uh, RMEF the former PDMA and, and National Deer Association and, and things like that. And um, those those commitments, you know, really, really resonated with people because I think what the difference is, is we're not just trying to sell you um, gear. That's part of what we're doing but and, and educating people on gear, but we're educating people on how they can drive some purpose behind their purchase. Um, and that's really important to us. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a founding principle of the company and it's also one that will never go away. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in line with that too, you know, in my mind, and, and I think the mind of First Light is, is that in order to protect our hunting heritage, which is certainly under uh, a little bit of attack these days, and, and guys like Clay Newcomb do a great job of understanding that, and um, in order to protect that hunting heritage, we need to, to commit ourselves to taking care of the wildlife we have and, and bettering our elk herds and our deer numbers and, and the amount of bitter brush that's in the West and and the amount of good feed that's in the east and uh, access for people that want to try to hunt and get into hunting. That's all part of this huge rolling ball um, that we try to at least be a little bit of a part of, you know. Absolutely. I think one of the things, too, that that people have fallen into a victim of of thinking this way is that uh, to support conservation, you go to nonprofits. You go to these organizations. But there's a lot of businesses that give back and are a big part of a conservation movement. And that's what's so exciting about when even just watching First Light's Instagram stories of you guys are all out of the office one day and you're planting sagebrush or you're collecting right. seeds from bitterbrush. Like, there's so many things that you guys are doing as a company to get involved in yeah. conservation that, um, I mean, not only are you doing it right there at home, but you're also helping um, support other people across the country who are putting conservation on the ground. And, and it's not, yeah, exactly. It, it's not, let's just say, the collection and reallocation of money that's 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 coming in from the rounding up. But, I mean, it, it, it is the boots-on-the-ground approach, too. It's the hands-on, we're going out in there, we're doing this because we believe that much in it. That's yeah, and, you know, sometimes those those these problems seem so vast and unachievable, right? So it's good to get your hands dirty and understand that you can, you can change one hillside in an afternoon and, and maybe, maybe that, maybe that allows for some a mule deer bucks to survive the winter, you know, and, and continue to procreate and, and, uh, and, you know, get, get more in our, in our species there. And, and I think it's, it's often daunting, right. To, to take on those tasks on the ground, but we, we've done a good job, I think of, of both, on each end of the spectrum of talking about why it's important, but also doing the things that are important, you know, as well. Well, you bring up a good point, and I and I think that we, you know, alluding this <clears throat> to this point earlier in the podcast is kind of talk a little bit about the scale of some of these projects and, and the the magnitude of what Western conservation may look like and what you guys are dealing with in comparison to what Adam and I do on a daily basis with working individual landowners on let's say east of the rockies right yeah so you know in in the west the the landscapes are giant i mean we're talking the difference between you know like well the ranch that i used to work on and when i was guiding elk on 70,000 acres you know 
So you're talking everything from major water projects that you're, mm-hmm. you're literally changing the ecosystem to small projects like understanding why a, a burn in a certain area works a lot better, right? Yeah. Now that's all. It's all the scale, right? I would say, and, and I think like from our perspective, mm-hmm. east to west isn't really the the differentiator. I think it's just different tactics with the same strategy in mind, sure. the same outcome. Um, but the vastness of the West, I think, is daunting, and that's why such such like large, overreaching or overarching strategic moves from conservationists and and um, collaboration efforts are incredibly crucial. So, you know, I've been I've been reading a lot about Teddy Roosevelt, just in in terms of where we sit today with some of our um, current policy and, and current um, direction on on both public lands and. Um, you know, resource extraction and all these different things that are, it's a really convoluted and complicated thing. But the, the idea there is that back, back in his time, he understood that, that something had to be done and it had to be grandiose. And I think that there's a, there's a, there's a lot of people that might have not made that decision, mm-hmm. um, you know, to protect places like Yellowstone or Bears Ears or wherever, um, and, and I think that forethought and that foresight is, is something that uh, we've tried to sort of latch on to at first sight and understand that change is slow, right? But if we move the needle a little bit every day, uh, we'll be able to kind of kind of take that over and, and be good stewards of the land and of the landscapes um, in the West. You know, and then the thing I'll say about the Midwest, um, I'm born and raised in Minnesota. You know, I went to school in Iowa. I worked on uh, whitetail properties there when I was in, in college and studied biology and wildlife management. And, and I, and it, it's part of my, sort of my DNA and my upbringing. So there's something really beautiful about, um, you know, walking onto a piece of ground and being able to put change in place, um, for the year to come, you mm-hmm. know, not, not decades later or 20 years later, or 30 years later, but, um, but tomorrow and the next day and even by next hunting season. So that, that scalability has to be has to be feel pretty good, um, you know, to be able to balance both this like change that happens overnight potentially and the change that happens over decades, right? I, I definitely think so, and I feel like a lot of times we get in that rut of what's the next season. I'm pre- as soon as as soon as one season ends, I'm, I'm working for the next. That's a great mindset to have, and you can make that impact. But it's the balance between not only that. And, and the decades and the legacy you're going to leave with that property itself. That's the cool thing. Agreed. You know what's interesting about this conversation, and it, and it goes with the conversation we had with Ford a couple of weeks ago, where we were just wanting to catch up, so we called him, yeah. and uh, <laughs> or he called us, I don't even remember, and we were on the phone for 30, 45 minutes, and then we hung up the phone, I looked at Matt and I said, did we even talk about first light like clothing or did we just talk conservation invasive species the whole time? I think that's all we did. But that's, yeah. that's, that's the truth, though, of those who work with <clears throat> first light. Ford's another employee there. And it's like, oh, yeah. y'all just, I mean, you're not just saying that you're passionate about conservation. Like, you're passionate about conservation. There, there, there's, right. we're, here, we're carrying on a incredible conversation about that and about the resources that we all love and, and enjoy um and we're doing things actively doing things to improve that that's the difference yeah that's impressive to me too and that's something that attracted me to, to want to come work here you know there's a lot of different places you can end up in the outdoor industry um there's also 
a lot of different ethos out there too. And I think what's attractive about first light from, from a perspective of mine is that the people here are not stuck in their ways in, in a, in, with, in terms of how we're going to solve the problem. Mm. Right. So everybody's thinking outside the box and that's, what's really encouraging to me is that, you know, we're these problems that we're going to face in the coming decades are going to be complex issues. Right. Yeah. So it, it requires the ability to look at a problem, um, and solve it differently. And that's something we do every day when we, when we talk about development of gear or when we're talking about, um, you know, how we can collect sage and, and bitter brush seeds in a better and more efficient way. Uh, there's, there's a, there's a, just a, a stream of consciousness that, that all things we do are, are guided by a certain principle. And, and that, that's, you know, entirely, um, the result of, of good founders, you know, that really believed in, um, sort of these ethical business measures to, to make things better. And it's, it's worked very well for them too. I love it. Very cool. Let's mm-hmm. talk a little bit about clothing now. Let's yeah. do it. Yeah. So let's jump in as far as what is kind of the base or what in your opinion would makes first light different than some of the other items out there. Yeah. So first and foremost, that's a great question. And we answer that one a lot. First and foremost is, um, you know, we were the first ever to print camouflage on merino wool. So mm. as a fa- as a fabric, um, that that is our that is our bread and butter. So we started as a as a base layer to mid layer company. Um, almost, geez, I think it's almost been fifteen or thirteen years, something like that. Oh wow! Uh, so the the idea there is that, that the technology in which was being used for base layers just wasn't there it was in the in the out of hunting space right with companies like Arcteryx and um, Smart Wool and things like that right but, um, you know we we printed on merino wool for the first time and the, the really cool part about that is uh, um, you know when we look at what merino wool does as a as a natural fiber um, and I can get pretty nerdy on this so stop me if i'm getting a little no i i i there happy to jump down this hole yeah um, okay because well, I think it's really important you know it is it is very important i'm not lying just a few nights ago i was looking at um ranchers or farmers in the united states who, who raise marina i have marinos. done the exact same i was thing. like that would be really really cool to, I, to, I, to do that but let's jump down that hole yeah so uh, and i appreciate that guys because i think what's important here is, is to realize that the the power of this fiber is one of the only fibers that really, really works in a full spectrum of environments. Yeah. So, you know, for instance, I start my year hunting season every year in Texas, almost every year. Um, we go down there really early for turkeys and axis deer, and then we start sort of making the, the pilgrimage north for turkey season. And um, it can be hot in the spring there, right? So we're talking like, you know, 70 to 90 degrees at times. Mm-hmm. And I can wear the same base layer as I wear on a mule deer hunt in November. Right. Um, or an archery hunt in the tree in Nebraska in October when the wind is just ripping. So the natural ability of, of wool, specifically merino wool, is that it's moisture wicking, it's scent free. And the biggest part that I think is really important is it's, it's soft to the touch, right? Right. So you have this, this conception of wool, I think all over the country, that is what, like we grew up with in the Midwest, like those wool rich outer layers that were, you know, button up pants and, and button coats that were itchy, right? You just didn't yeah. feel that good. <laughs> yeah. So the difference with Merino is the ability to, you know, take that, that comfort 
and basically turned it into an active layer. So, um, you know, the nice part about wool, uh, and I can reiterate this, is that, you know, it's scent-free, moisture-wicking, and, and quiet and soft. So it, it just, as a fabric, it's just, it's the, the end-all, be-all for uh, efficient hunters, you know, yeah. especially ones that are active, but also ones that are stagnant and sitting, right, uh, or stationary. That That's really important. So... From there, First Light has developed a full line of everything from socks to accessories to incredible outerwear to rain gear, um, you name it, we make it. So the foundation started in wool, and then we've grown from there. The difference there, too, is like, you know, when we build products, we're, we, we build everything essentially in, in two categories right now. So it's it's Western and Whitetail. So traditionally, the... Um, the, the, the universal nature of a, ca- of a company usually applied to all categories. So now what we're doing is we're making specific gear for whitetail hunting, specific gear for Western hunting. But those things are interchangeable here and there too, sure. you know, um, which is really important, I think. And, and also the last, the last thing I'll say about what differentiates us too, as far as our gear is that, you know, we're direct to consumer. We don't have any middlemen. We don't have any retail outlets. Um, Everything we do is, is direct with First Light. So we have an incredible connection with our customer. Mm-hmm. Um, when you call somebody, you're going to get either a guy that's been an elk guide the last five years, a guy that you know is a professional mountain biker and understands how the body works uh, and, and what you're going to need. Um, you've got a guy that's uh, at, at one of those desks that killed a, a, a bighorn sheep in the Frank church last year in one of the most difficult units in the lower 48. And he did it all by himself Jeez. with no guide. Mm. Um, and you're going to get a guy that runs ultra marathons. And as it looks at mule deer bucks, 260 days a year, you know, those are the guys that you get when you, when you call in to ask a question about Marina wool. So, or outerwear or whatever. I mean, so our, our commitment to our customer is that we get to talk to these people every day. Um, and it's an authentic and, and quite literally a, a, a valid person that you're going to speak with. And, and that, that ethos sort of shines through the rest of the company as well. So yeah. I'm pretty proud of that myself. And I almost get, you know, a little bit taken aback when I, when I mention that stuff, because the guys we work with, the men and women at first sight are incredibly, incredibly valid humans when it comes to both who they are and, and how they hunt as well. So, well, um, it's important yeah. that they're actively utilizing this stuff and have the grounds to be able to speak and recommend what right. what pieces need to be utilized for what situations and you know you you talked on wool and i don't think it can just be clarified enough that like it is a it's a fabric that it it it's like it almost changes with the time with its ability to mo- the wick moisture but still retain heat when needed it it's an it's it's crazy how it works but i don't know i like the more you read about it and the more that you have experience with it actively wearing it the more it's like why did we ever go to cotton i don't get it yeah <laughs> what in the world were we thinking this stuff is awesome right exactly yeah. and i think that's the biggest thing is to understand that its applicability across <laughs> different environments is just uh standalone so i think that that right there is enough for somebody who's like you know, I've, I should preface this by saying I've worn it all. You know, I've worn yeah. everything there is to, to try from cotton to Carhartt to um, Mossy Oak to Sitka to whatever. And, and I, I truly believe in what we're doing over here. Sure. Um, 
specifically when guys are going to go sit in the tree. Like I think our whitetail stuff is far and away um, just a, a phenomenal product line. So, yeah, for sure. I, and and we're talking solitude bibs and jacket that Matt and I wore last fall. Oh, yeah. And um, specifically about this one when it comes to design for a whitetail guy, you know, there's times for I think anybody who's ever stood in a tree stand and had your bibs on, and you're like, man, I love this pocket right here, this, like, kangaroo pouch or this yep. chest pocket. This is awesome. And then well, you put the jacket on, yeah. and you're like, man, where'd it go? I, I lost it. But you guys have your zip through uh, or your zipper so you can go through your jacket back into your bibs. It was like as soon right. as we wore them last year, I think November 3rd, it was like 6 degrees. We had a major cold front come through. It got super, super cold. And I remember turning around to my brother and going, are you cold? And he's like, nope. Of course, he's wearing First Light too. And and uh, I'm yeah. like, I'm not cold either. And usually I'd be about ready to freeze out. And that's when right. I knew, okay, cold weather, we got it covered now. Well, and I think that's the important thing to to remember and and I feel like it tends to be Eastern hunters. They they try and distance distance themselves and say like I I don't have those temperature swings that I could experience in the Rockies and the mountain. We're we're not talking necessarily about like hourly day to day changes that we're going to go from you know twenty degrees all the way up to eighty as you're moving elevation. We're we're talking this system still has its place when you go from early September all the way through till January in your hunting. That's half a year almost and it's like there's a big temperature swings in that where again this this gear and clothing works all those times what what are some of your favorite items oh man i think so in my i'm I'm kind of a in in my western kit i think that and and across all categories i think that the corgi guide pants are a great intro item that's what i wear all the time Mm -hmm. um it's just a, it's a four-way stretch pant, uh, nylon pant. I think that pair of pants, and then our Catalyst soft shell system is phenomenal. Um, it's a soft shell jacket and, and pants that I wear a lot early season whitetail hunting. And then if we're talking whitetail, you you can't you can't go wrong with the solitude kit. That that kit in and of itself is, is game changing in the industry. Um, and and I, I think that's one of my favorite. You know that we came out with a pair of pants called the Sawbucks last year. Um, which as a work pant and as a hunt pant, um, it, it looks like an upland bird hunting pant, but it's, it's a lot lighter. That thing is just uh, outstanding. It does the job. And, and that, that pair of pants is just, it's, it's just bomb proof. So that, that, that'd be it. my kind of like my top four right in there. And that's the, the saw bucks or the, uh, quail hunters would call them their brush pants. They're, they're briar proof right. pants, kind of like almost chap sewn into a pants. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's an awesome, awesome. Well, that, that brings up a good point, though, because I feel like as as someone who goes and starts to research all the different product lines that, that First Flight offers, not that it's overwhelming, but you could potentially, in your, in your given region, the properties that you hunt, you want to make sure that you're purchasing the right gear for that, if you will, environment, what you may encounter. Like, if you're in thick understory you may not want some articles of clothing um it's kind of walk us through like how you might make that decision as to what pieces you want to lean to if you're more kind of field hunting where you're not buck uh, you know busting brush or whatever um how, how would someone go about deciding that yeah that's, that's a great question and i think from our perspective 
there is a there is a breadth of stuff you can choose, right? Um, and you kind of you kind of broke up there on the the last part of the question. So correct me if I'm wrong, but you're you're asking for like what is the um, both like a lightweight system and sort of like a, a more b- brush busting system. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. So you know from the from the standpoint of like being able to walk through briars and really do it, you want those sawbucks for sure. Um, that's going to be your best pair of pants. And then on the top layer, a, a merino wool top is going to do just great. With um, we made a couple different pieces this year um, that are intended. They have multiple use cases, but really what I think is is cool is that a lot of these, you know, basically what we've what we've created sort of is is this shirt called the Ridge Line, right? Which is essentially like a a, a wool protection layer that's not going to be super hot. Um, really awesome option. Uh, that's kind of what I wear when you're like walking through brush and especially in warmer temperatures. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you're trying to go light and fast and you're not so worried about brush, the obsidian hybrid or the, excuse me, obsidian pants, um, are really good. So those things are merino wool pants, not as tough and durable as, as say the sawbuck or the Corey guide pant, but incredibly breathable. Um, it's pretty awesome. We, we hunted awesome. out those That's what early we hunted season. out of. I think yep. the conversation I had with maybe you, Kevin, was uh, early season, what should I wear? And it was like, are you busting brush? Are you? And I was like, no, obsidian. And I'm like, wait, 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 back up. You want me to wear wool in the heat? And, yep. and you're like, yeah. Trust um, it. Trust just it trust in the merino. And I'm like, this is crazy. And I did it. I'm like, I am so comfortable right now. Like, I, I, I don't, I, I didn't even feel like I was sweating while sitting in the stand like I have in years past. And it's just like, right. I, I don't know how this works. I don't know what this, what's so magical about but this merino working. wool, but it's working. <laughs> and so, yeah, uh, it's pretty impressive. That it's, it's just such an impre- incredible material. And um, you know, we, we've got, we get that comment all the time, right? Of like, oh, these pants changed my life, and. Uh, they're able to actually sit in the tree a little bit longer because mm-hmm. one, they're they're incredibly quiet too, you know. Yeah. Um, and they're just a they're a good pant. For I'm sure. gonna I'm gonna talk a little bit about the elephant in the room right now. Sure. Um, when it comes to uh, photos that people, because I think a lot of our listeners come from the east or Midwest or the north uh, or the south, and so they may not be aware of you guys and in, in your items. So if they're scrolling the website and they're seeing a lot of pictures, shoot, if they're even seeing pictures of Matt and I, yeah. they're seeing suspenders and not belts. I was just thinking, I was like, I, we need to bring up the suspenders. And that was like whenever I first got the items, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to wear the suspenders. Like, I'm not going to a wedding, and so uh, – <laughs> Where you see suspenders. Or, or I'm not 70 yet. Or I'm not teaching my history, my yeah. high school history class. Yeah. So I don't, I, yeah. I, I don't know. And I tried them on. I'm like, you know what? Wow, how, how many years is it before I wear suspenders to church? Because there's something about this. Like, it's so yeah. much more comfortable. Yeah. If there was a part of the kit that I was just so underestimating, it was totally the suspenders and the usefulness. And I'm like... I'm just. I'll try it. I will give it. I got. I got to give it a go, and then yeah, I will funny, not put them on. What? 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 What is it about? Uh, you know, the suspenders. I don't know of anybody that's talked about that. I haven't heard, but it seems like they're yeah, cooler. Yeah. Well, is that the case? You know, what's interesting is like. So think about this. Like as we're developing in the West, you know, you've got packs on your back. You've got stuff on your on your hip belt of your pack. 
the actual like a leather belt um, just gets in the way of your yeah. pack. So yeah. the idea was if you take the basically what holds your pants up and you move it to where there's not less of a pinch point or no buckle like suspenders, you basically alleviate those rub points and you're able to still keep your pants up um, and go from there. So ideally the, the, the purpose of that was strictly comfort, right? Um, and, and the technical ability, of course, to like keep your pants around your waist instead of on your ankles. Um, <laughs> but I, I think they just work really well with, with our pack systems and we're always improving upon those. And I, I think they have a nice place in, in the at whitetail woods too, because they're essentially silent. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas nothing's going to clink on them. There's nothing on your chest, excuse me, on your, on your belt, right below your chest. There's no belt uh, to bang stuff on. Um, cause you know, like we, we've been hunting out of saddles quite a bit. Oh yeah. Um, I was just going to bring that in, but yeah. Yeah. So like when you're sitting in a saddle, right, the, the less crap around your waist, the better. Mm-hmm. Um, so and... those suspenders work really well too, because when you're climbing with those, uh, carabiners and things like that, um, clinking those and trying to keep them quiet can be difficult sometimes. Um, so I think just, it's, it's, it's sort of the perfect remedy, you know, for, for all, a lot of different problems. It, it, but it does feel like. Instead of like cinching, let's say around your waist, it almost gives it a little bit of like breathing room. It does keep it. It seems like it keeps it a little bit cooler around your midsection. Well, it's hot yeah. during turkey season. Yeah, yeah, and, that's uh, right. Even even if you're wearing a safety harness too, you know, it's, yeah. if you get that thing tighter, you're trying to stretch out. It always does hug right there on your lower back where your belt's at. So um, it, it even has some some purpose there. If you're not in a saddle. <laughs> yep. Right. Exactly. So talking to our guys that are tree stand hunters that spend their time climbing into a tree stand and sitting all day or sitting for six hours and then and then doing it all again in the afternoon. um, What is it about the merino wool or kind of talk to those guys on and kind of pulling them in of, okay, how can you um, benefit by wearing this line? And I, I should say, I guess, jumping into that is. For me, I changed drastically when it came to I want to be comfortable. And I can buy all this other gear that is a nice, cool gadget, but then in the realization that the gear that's touching my skin is what I want to be most comfortable. So I would rather spin there. So, you know, talk to those. Being from Minnesota, I know you know what cold is. So talk to those guys (laughs) a little bit. Yeah, for sure. So I think first and fo- foremost is we like to, I like to think about this um, in a systematic way. So um, the first thing that I'm thinking about is like, where, where am I walking to? You know, where am I getting off of an ATV or a four-wheeler or a truck? And what is that, what is that entry going to look like? So when I'm walking to a tree, I'm, I'm concerned about a few things. One, scent. Two, sweat. And three, the ability to be quiet, right? So what I'm looking at particularly with our line is that you accomplish with Merino wool basers, you, you accomplish all three of those things immediately because you're not going to be dropping scent everywhere. You're going to be extremely quiet and you're going to be very comfortable. The nice part about what we've been able to make in the last, um, you know, cycle here is that, uh, we've got everything from zip off long johns and Merino wool to zippers on our solitude system. So you can essentially zip all the way to skin. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're not overheating as you get into the tree. Right. So essentially what's important to to realize is that if you sweat on your way in and you're wearing rubber boots, everything's going to be over if it's going to be cold that night. 
because you're not going to be able to like as far as your feet go, right? Yeah. So the nice Which part I think about, we've all experienced that. I mean, oh, yeah. If you're a white tail hunter, you're like, oh, I got to wear hard. rubber boots, and you're going to. Well, you're trying to get to the sweat. tree so fast, and you want to make yep. sure you're getting there as fast as possible and, and doing it quietly. But everyone runs you know, late to the tree stand. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. So your feet, your feet will be wet, right? Yeah. But. The cool part about your body and wearing merino wool is if you're if you're in merino wool, that that's sweat's gonna wick right off you. So you're gonna be immediately comfortable and, and back to being warm when it's chilly outside. Um, what's really important to, to also realize too is once you're in the tree, it's essential to have the correct layering system. Um, and sometimes guys can be pretty shocked when all you need is like a furnace base layer in the solitude and it's 15 degrees in the tree. Um, Guilty. That's pretty impressive, I think. So yeah. What what I think is important to realize too is that being in that tree stand, you, if you're going to layer up, you have to have good articulation, and so you can draw your bow or raise your gun or glass glass a buck coming across chasing a doe. So what's cool about our stuff is it's all made with a shooter's cut, so it's tapered, so that you're not going to get a bunch of material from a big puffy jacket in your bowstring, or you're not going to be able to, you know, not lift your arms up because there's so many you know layers underneath. Everything is articulated to move with you. And, you know, the reason we build this stuff is because our whitetail product line manager, myself, a bunch of people spend a lot of time in the tree. So we understand that if you draw your bow and you're right-handed, you can't have material pilling up in your elbow or else you're never going to be able to draw your bow back efficiently mm-hmm. or quietly. So I, I think that the idea there, uh, what I'm trying to get at here is that understanding that merino wool as a fabric is a foundation can set the stage for success in, in remaining warm. Um, and now it's the only thing I wear, you know, I, I don't, I don't, uh, even on our traditional Northern Minnesota hunts when everybody's in big flannels and, in uh, wool rich, like uh, regular wool, I'm still in full Merino. It's just, uh, it's just the way to go. <laughs> yeah. I don't, yeah. I, I don't think agree. the last, the last fall before this, the one that sent me over the edge was I compared myself to the little brother on a Christmas story whenever they're going to school and he can't even put his arms down to his side because he's got so many <laughs> that's layers right. on. That's so right. Man. Yeah. That's, and so here we exactly are. And right. I think I wore three layers when it was so cold last year. I wore a thin base layer, uh, like a, a, the thin merino wool base layer and then the furnace on top of that and then the solitude yep. and it was just like i only have three layers on right now and this is incredible i'm still warm so and that, yeah, was, that was southern missouri too southern missouri right. high humidity seven degrees and everyone underestimates the whole humidity aspect i feel like and, and it's like there's places in mississippi arkansas louisiana where you're gonna have cold days where it's 30 40 but really high humidity and some wind, yeah, it's still going to be pretty chilly down there, too. Like, this stuff, it, oh, yeah. it works in those situations as well. Yeah, we forget about that in the West sometimes, and I have to remind these guys that, um, you know, dry a dry cold is a whole different beast yeah. um, than a wet cold. And obviously, growing up in Minnesota, uh, we know a little thing or two about some chilly days, but I think the most important thing to realize, really, when you're talking about stationary environments is that, if you get cold, it's very hard to get warm again, right? Mm-hmm. So that's why it's so crucial to have that merino wool base there because the reason you get cold isn't because, you know, you're a sissy or you've been sitting out there too long. It's because you walk too fast to the tree stand and you sweat and you didn't wick that off your body. And then now it's sitting on your skin and it turns cold and it's over. So I think that probably 
that factor alone gets people more out of, like out of the tree faster when when it's in when you're in the red zone um, than anything else. And that's what we're trying to solve, right? Is you know our tagline is is go farther, stay longer, and, and um, the idea there is that like when we, I was talking with you guys last year when we were in Missouri and we were out there, I was sitting on the tree for like 16 hours, you know, it was just insane. Yeah. And you can't bring enough sandwiches or, or books <laughs> or whatever to keep you busy. Yeah. But the idea there is that, you know, our stuff is made to be sitting in a step in, in a or lane or whatever, in a saddle, hanging in a saddle or, or sitting in a tree stand for hours on end uh, with total comfort, you know, and then I'll, I'll, I'll guarantee that I'll take that all the way to the bank. Cause that, that is, I spent a lot of days in the tree last year and, and, um, comfort was never a problem. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, putting my, putting my saddle in the wrong tree or picking the wrong game trail or picking the wrong field edge or, you know, hunting the wrong wind. That's all stuff that now I can focus on more instead of having to focus on my gear. So I think that that's what folks could probably understand is, let us take care of the things that are easy to take care of, you know, and, and, you know, with good clothing, you can do a lot of things. And then that allows you to go out and focus on killing giant deer. And and that's, that's really what we're about and what we're after here. Well, and I think, you know, we we're, we're confident. We say this, we took time to test it and it is everything that either you've talked about. We've talked about on this podcast or previous podcast. I really am a firm believer in it. Like it's it's uh, it's a practical thing, and and I'm happy to hear, sit here and say that um, we're gonna we're gonna keep using it. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. Yeah. So, what are some of the 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 one thing you talk you mentioned it, but new items coming out um, that came out in 2020. Um, yep. And so, one of the big things I'm excited to try this fall is the zip off. I, I really like this concept. Um, and so I'm, I'm really excited to try it as the furnace boot top zip off base layer long jump. Oh yeah. And so, you know, in my head, what I'm picturing is those chilly days, late October or November and, and beyond. So into December and January, when I have a long walk to the tree stand and I don't want to be bulked up wearing a lot of clothes on the walk. So I'm picturing having those in my pack, getting to the tree stand, and just unzipping pants, dropping down, not having to take my wool socks off or my boots. It's a weird picture mm-hmm. to imagine, but that's, keep going. <laughs> yeah, I hope nobody drives by or flies over at this time. And they see me, I drop my pants, and then I'll put these, zip them on, and then pull my pants right back up. Now to be in the snap of your fingers, hopefully, so I don't get too cold. But that's what I'm picturing is like, wow, uh, the ability to not have to take off my boots or my socks. Because that's one of the biggest things that I think get cold whenever you have to do that is getting your feet cold in, in this transition. So that's something I'm very excited about. Nice. Yeah. You know, the thing about you just described it perfectly. Like that is the system we intended, you know, when, when we built these is, is just the the ability to just do what you need to do a little bit quicker and stay warm when you need to be warm and cool down when you need to cool down. Um, these are going to be just a, a game changing piece, I think for, for a lot of things. And the nice part I would add just to what you uh, described there is, you know, a lot of people would be worried about how this zipper feels on the side of your leg or how this Velcro sures up at the top of the, uh, at the top of the um, long john. 
And, uh, you know, the interesting part there is like, it's built in a way that is flush to your skin. So you're not going to feel it. Um, and, and the zipper is the same thing. It, it sort of tucks up into itself. Um, it's just a great way to, to basically understand that, um, or I should say, it's a great way to, you know, sort of visualize, um, the, the, the quickness of this experience, um, without, without sacrificing, you know, the comfort of a standard long gun, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, yeah. a, it's a nice mesh of both worlds. Yeah. Definitely. Is there any other, you guys came out with a new color, but any other items that you're most excited about for 2020? Yeah. You know, what's interesting is I, I think that one of the things that's really cool is we, we made these Arrowwolf Tech Tees, um, which I've been wearing a lot sort of just in my summer scouting and my prep. Um, that's been really helpful uh, in, in the summertime. And then, you know, honestly, some of the socks that we've come out with um, have really changed the game because I think like if you really think about what's important in a kit, um, some of these socks that are out there uh, are not going to get you to where you need to be. Cause you gotta, you gotta take care of your feet because that's really the way you, you make things happen. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm excited about. We've got a couple of those new ones coming out and then the, um, the, uh, the Ranger snap shirt is something I've been wearing a lot this summer. It's just a, it's a nice classy, um, almost looks like a pearl snap button up shirt, but it's four way stretch nylon. Um, so it's super cool, and I've been wearing it fishing quite a bit. It's been really nice. We wear it a lot on our consults this summer. Yes. Now, getting of age where you're like, ah, oh, I don't really want to wear a t-shirt and get baked in the sun, so I'm going to I'm gonna um, wear long sleeves now. So that's kind of our, our consulting attire, if you will. We still look professional yeah, with a like nice it. collar, yeah, but oh, yeah. show up comfy. And you know what? You said that the Arrowwool Tech Tee, I have one of those um, – that I got, and I'm like, you know, I think it's a good, like, if somebody's just like, ah, I don't know, guys, you're talking a lot about wool, is this a sales pitch, just go get the t-shirt and wear it just around town. If you want an introductory test comfortable out. it yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I wish yeah, I'd have gotten more, because I think Matt probably looks at me like, hey, dude, uh, you wore that shirt yesterday. Yeah, yeah but like, it doesn't stink, right? <laughs> yeah. That's so right. you're good. You're covered. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Just don't skimp on the deodorant. Please. I got a question for you, totally unrelated, but you mentioned it, um, and so I got to ask. So you, Minnesota, and then a portion yep. in Iowa for college, and now, yep. uh, and then out west, elk guiding, and now in Idaho. When you yep, come back right. to hunt whitetails, do you still wear a rubber boot for most of the season, or do you stick with a leather boot like you wear out? Uh, elk hunting yeah that's a great question i um i wore both last year so my thing is the the biggest thing for me is i hate getting stuff in my boots when i'm in the tree stand because i don't want to be reaching down that way and they're really hard to get out so but i do like rubber boots for the fact that you know when you're talking about scent it's a little easier to mitigate in a rubber boot um especially on the in and out. Yep. However, I, I did have some trouble with um, some some of the sweating we were talking about, um, just with like an insulated rubber boot. Um, and then I switched over to the Lacrosse Alpha Burleys mm-hmm. um, and just had great success with those. Great luck. Um, I can't say enough about them. I think the only difference is the only time I wouldn't wear a rubber boot is if I'm doing like those 
like where we were in Missouri, there's a lot of public ground we were hiking into. Yeah. Um, and it's, you just can't, you just can't go as fast or as efficiently, you know, with the, with the step in boot versus a lace up boot. Yeah. Um, and I think but the thing is like, we grew up with lace up Sorrells, like those big puffy, um, winter boots. Yeah. Boot. So we wore those deer hunting a lot when I was a little kid. Um, but I only started wearing rubber boots, uh, after I got sort of dialed in, um, uh, on the archery whitetail side, but you know, a little later in life. Yeah. Well, that, that's kind of a same thing for me. A question: You go out west, and it's like, man, we get to wear hiking boots. Like, I think we'd all agree that a hiking leather boot is much more comfortable on your ankles and and overall spending a long day in them than rubber boots. Um, and you know, is like, man, I wish I could just do this whitetail hunting. And then I wear the rubber boots early season. And, you know, in the last couple of years, I've been like, nope, I'm wearing leather boots. I think I sweat more in the rubber boots during early season. And right. uh, and so I, I was curious if you would, if you're still wearing them. Now, we still wear them during the cool season. Um, then late season, we kind of change things up. But, um, yeah, you know, that's that's an ongoing debate we have with guys is why do you wear your rubber boots even in the heat when – Leather boots are just so much more comfortable and and you don't sweat nearly as much. Yeah, exactly. And I think like I've just switched over to like non-insulated rubber boots and trying to figure out that. But um, yeah, certainly I'm gonna. I got a really interesting hunt in, in uh, Nebraska coming up in October on my good friend Jordan Bud's place. Um, so I'm gonna be there, and I'll probably wear leather boots there just because there's some hiking situations. And yeah. I think it's just kind of like a game time decision a lot of times for me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yep. So what other big hunts you got planned this fall? Man, so I drew a really good Idaho deer tag that starts on the 15th of August, um, so a week from Saturday. And that's going to be – it's a rifle hunt too, which is really cool. Um, But it's in this unit that's just got some really rugged country. Um, So I'm going to spend some time in in there for the first couple weeks. uh, And then once September hits, we're full on with elk. So we'll, um, we'll hunt archery elk here in September and then I'll head to Montana for some archery elk hunting and then we're on the road for whitetail we're going to hunt um let's see Minnesota, Texas, Kansas, Nebraska and Wisconsin I think for whitetail awesome um and then I'm still trying to figure out a way to to weasel my way into either a, a coos deer hunt or a, or a mule deer hunt in Arizona in late late season late December right um uh, and then, yeah, we'll just kind of go from there, but it's, uh, it's a full fall and we're hope we're just hoping that everything kind of, uh, you know, is safe to travel and we're just going to be doing a lot of truck travel. I think I might need to trade in my truck and, and, uh, get one with a little fewer miles if we're going to be driving to Texas and back, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No doubt. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like a, definitely a full fall of um, some Western stuff, but absolutely getting into whitetails all over the country, north to south. That sounds like a blast. Oh, yeah, it is, man. And, and the cool part about, like, where we get to hunt is it's kind of like a homecoming for me, you know. That's kind of where I cut my teeth and understood that, you know, I was a waterfowl and whitetail guy growing up. and um, It's always good to get back. I actually get to go hunt my family's place in northern Minnesota. Um for the first time in a few years, and, and I'm really excited about that. So Fantastic. So you're from northern Minnesota. Well, not necessarily. So we spent a lot of time there, but I was actually born and raised in St. Paul. We just had a family cabin oh, that my dad 
Grandpa gotcha. built um, up kind of near the headwaters of the Mississippi River. Oh, so. very cool. Ooh, nice. I was going to say, yeah. if you're from northern Minnesota, where would your accent go? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that thing, too, is I did lose it. I think I lost it when I went to Iowa. Uh, Interesting. Just because they have like non-regional dialect there, they sound like <laughs> you know they're they're from nowhere basically. Yep. <laughs> yeah. No offense to those guys out there. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> well, man, that sounds awesome. How can they find you know to learn more about uh, First Light as well as follow your adventures this fall? Yeah. So check out um, my Instagram handle is at Kevin Harlander, uh, and uh, the other one is is First Light Hunting on Instagram. I think that's the best way to to figure out what we're doing and where we're at. And then the, the best way to find us online is just um, www.firstlight.com. Um, and you can check out all the gear there. And I'm more than happy to answer any, you know, personal questions at all that folks have about gear or about, you know, certain Western tags or where I'm going to be hunting in the Midwest. And uh, it's always good to make those connections. So if folks want to email me or, or Instagram message me, that's great. I'm at uh, Kevin Harlander on Instagram, and it's just Kevin at FirstLight.com. Wow, there you go. See enough. Brave soul sending out that no email. doubt. I've Woo! never even I've never even given my email on this podcast. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Well, you know, it's one of those things where it's just like at some point, um, if if folks have a good get something good to say, you want to connect with them. Yeah. And I, I think it's just good to, good to yeah. talk with them. Absolutely, oh, man. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on, Kevin. Hopefully, that helps some people out and get ready for this fall. And then appreciate everything you guys do at First Light for conservation in the land. Yeah, and you guys too. And, and I appreciate talking with you with you guys. And, and uh, hopefully this is just the start of uh, something big and bad and beautiful. I'm, I appreciate everything you guys do for, for landowners across, across the United States. And, and uh, hopefully we'll get to share a tree here one of these days. Yes, yes. Sounds good, man. You take care. Be safe this fall. Okay, thanks. You too. Yeah.